we could go home right now, couldn't we? Having heard from the Lord. Yes, amen. What a good, good word. I was getting preparing um, for my message yesterday, and I got done, and I looked over my notes last night, and I thought, well, Lord, this isn't a very long message. This isn't going to take very long at all. Well, I didn't know everybody else was going to preach my word this morning. <laughs> that is why. Hallelujah. Um, before we jump into the word, I want to do a, a handful of things. Pastor sends his love and his regard. He's taken a well-deserved day of rest. Amen. So we just bless him in Jesus' name. Um, I want to greet a couple people back here is Barbara Haynes. Will you lift your hand? Barbara and I know each other from way back when I moved to Dublin in 1981 to help start the church. She was part of the original crowd that helped start the church. And her children were in my children's church. They were the, they were the very first children's group that I ever taught before I even knew I was called a children's ministry. They were my guinea pigs. And so, um, but we haven't seen or heard from each other for years. And she's from Tiffany. And she has family here. So she had heard I moved here and called the church out of the blue a few weeks ago. And so she's back in town again. So I just want to say what an honor and thrill it is to see her. And then another friend, Tamika, right here. Raise your hand, Tamika. She was in Dublin for a season. She's here with her family. I was so thrilled to see her. She was a part of our church, taught at her small school, taught the high school students. And I know those high school students. They were a challenge. And after church, if you get a minute, I want to tell you where some of them are today you'll be so tickled at the seed you put in them and what they're doing today with their lives it's pretty amazing so so glad to have you and your family with us this morning amen yeah and also one last thing let's take this authority that that brother langston exhorted us about and speak over uh, morris's body he was taken to the emergency room yesterday is this right tell me if i got my facts right with chest pains and, um, and then um, Carol Swinney's brother, um, Ronnie, was taken to the hospital. So in Jesus' name, we just speak healing to those bodies in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, healing to those bodies and supernatural strength in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. May your Holy Spirit minister to them, minister to the families, minister to the loved ones. Let faith be released in every room, every doctor's. Give them wisdom on how to treat it in Jesus' name. Find the source of all of it in Jesus' name. We speak healing and restoration, and we declare that not one member of this family shall ever go home to be with the Lord before they're allotted days and their time and their purpose is fulfilled on this earth in Jesus name. We just declare that in the name of Jesus and we can declare a covering over protection over this family and their households in Jesus name. In Jesus name. We Jesus name. In Jesus. We give you all the honor and all the praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. Thanks. Amen. It's beautiful. We'll just get, like I said, this is, this is more of an exhortation. Um, of course, you can see what we're talking about. Surprise, surprise. The just shall live by faith. I felt like the Lord just wanted to go back to something um, foundational, strengthen foundations. We all need that sometime. And, um, and I am a teacher, so as we get into the Word, um, I'm going to just very simple, pull out a couple of Greek and Hebrew meanings. Um, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. And sometimes if you really want to get a beautiful understanding of what that scripture means, if you go back and look at that Hebrew word or that Greek word and what they meant by what they said, it brings a whole nother depth to the scripture. So we're going to look at uh, a couple of those and don't let them blow you away. And uh, it just kind of, really all it really does is solidify what we already know God is saying. 
So go to the next slide. The just shall live by faith. Now, when God says something, you know, when he's, every word in the Bible is alive. It's got the breath of God on it. Every scripture is meaningful. It's deep. It's significant. It's important. We need to pay attention to all of it. But when he says something several times, I think he's yelling it. I think he's really like waving his arms and wanting to get our attention. If you'll go to the next slide. This scripture, the just shall live by faith, is seen four times in the New Testament. It's one of the most, most quoted verses in the Bible. I think the only one that may be equal to it or maybe has one more is, the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the glory of God. That one is also repeated several times, a wonderful promise. But this one in Habakkuk 2.4, Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, and Hebrews 10.30, all say, the just shall live by faith. I think God's wanting to tell us something and want us to remind us of something. But what does that look like? In practical, everyday, walking outside this door, going to our jobs, going to our schools, living out our life, what does that look for? Like, well, that word life, there's the Greek word, zeo. It really means, when you look at what it means, it looks like it, you're, you, if you want God's quality of life, the life that God has promised us. You know, this Bible is full of promises. It's full of provision, full of answers. He promises peace. He promises us joy. He promises us victory. He promises us love. All of those things we've already exhorted about this morning. Every one of them is in here. How do we get them? How do we live in those things? By faith. We receive those by faith. Everybody says, by faith. By faith. And that word by is that simple, simple word, E-K. And it really means, the simplicity of it, it means it springs from a place. It comes out of a place. It's like a cannonball in a cannon is the picture of it. You put that cannonball in that cannon and you light the wick and that thing shoots out from the cannon. Our lives should shoot out from a place of faith. Faith is not primarily to get. Faith is to live. Faith is a quality and a way of life that we live. It's not, it, we use it to get our needs met. We use it to get healing. That's all part of life. But it is not what we were giving faith primarily for. Faith is to live every day, every minute, every hour, the just shall live by faith. And I'm telling y'all, it's simple. It's simple. Jesus makes things simple so that we're all on an even playing field. From the very scholarly president of the college or the university down to the newborn that just got saved, the newborn Christian that just got saved and only has a sixth grade education, that, six, that guy has the exact same ability to enter into all of the, the things God has promised for us as that university president. He has to get it the same way that man who only has a sixth grade education gets it because God is just and God is fair. And God is righteous. And everybody obtains the promises of God and lives their life as a believer by faith. Who are the just? Anybody who calls on the name of the Lord. 
Anybody who calls on the name of the Lord and is saved is just. You are righteous. You are just. And you have this ability to live by faith. And it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. We look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporal, subject to change, and the things that are unseen are eternal. Well, then, if the justice to live by faith, a very legitimate question is, um, what is faith exactly? The next slide. If we'll go to the next slide. What is faith? Well, there's that Greek word, faith. It's the word pistis, and it means to win over, firm persuasion, to be utterly convinced. Now, here's the illustration. I heard this illustration years ago. I think it's the best illustration for faith I've ever seen. Who's, I'm gonna, we're going to show our age here in a second. But how many of you remember that advertisement years ago about the Nestle Plunge? Yeah, see, that's okay. Most of us, it, it's the picture of that. that it was an advertising about how refreshing Nestle was. And it was a picture, it was a, a hot, hot summer day. And there's a swimming pool full of that freshing water. And this man's standing at the edge of the pool. And he closes his eyes. And he puts his arms out. And he plunges into the pool to get refreshed. That's kind of a picture of faith. You close your eyes. You've got all this heat around you. You've got all these circumstances around you. You've got all the storms of life around you. But you have a good and loving God who's promised you refreshing and peace and joy. And so you close your eyes and you let go of everything. A fear, of worry, anxiety, trying to fix it, trying to figure it out, trying to analyze it, trying to get all the answers, trying to know everything, trying to be right of everything. You just let it all go and you say, I trust in you, God. And you plunge. You plunge. You let go and you plunge and fall backwards with your eyes closed into the embrace of a loving, loving God. You know, I don't have it on the slides, but the scripture says faith works by love. The reason we can trust God is we love him and we are convinced of his love for us. We are convinced of his love for us. I mean, how many of you like it when you tell your child something and they say, really, really? Are we going to, they begin to question you and doubt what, yeah, it happens, doesn't it? And you're like, what have I ever lied to you? That's what God would say to us. What have I ever lied to you? What have I ever lied to you? God doesn't like that either. So it's when we, we know his character, we know who he is. We trust him, we love him, and we have to make that decision. It's a daily decision most of the time because of the world we live in is going to try and steal your faith, steal your trust, steal your confidence. That's why he says it so many times. Hey, guys, the just live by faith. Remember the just live by faith. Just make that shift in your heart. That's all you need to do. Make a short shift in your heart. Get into faith. The just shall live by faith. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says it's the evidence. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. That word evidence is in the Greek is a word where we actually get um, being convinced of or even convicted of. It's really a legal term that they, use in, they used in lawyer in courtroom settings. When you're convicted of something. 
And it'd be like over here you have an accuser and he's saying, oh, but you're not good enough and you're sick and you don't have enough and you're not qualified enough and you're not smart enough and you're not strong enough and you don't know the right people and you're not in the right place and you always fail and you can't do anything right and this is never going to work. And then over here you've got the defender. But faith. Yeah. But faith in what God has said. But faith in what God can do. What faith in what God has done. But faith. But faith. But faith. And you're convinced. You're convinced. You're convinced in your heart. You're convinced in your heart. You're convinced. You're convinced. You're convinced. Has not God said. Will he not do it? You're convinced. You're convinced. And then the next question we would want to ask is, where does faith come from? Next slide. Where does faith come from? Well, Romans 12, 3 says this. We have all received the measure of faith. God has given you enough faith for what you're in need, for what you're encountering, for what you're going through. You have enough what you need. Now, we have to choose what to do with it. The Bible talks about little faith, great faith. We have to make decisions about what we do with it. But you have the faith that you need because he's a good father. And he gives us everything we need. And so you, the Bible says that, the, that, that if you humble yourself, he gives you grace. And when you find that place of grace, faith is released. And you have all the faith that you need. When you let go of your own ability, your own strength, your own need to know, your own need to be right, your own need of all of those questions, you can't wait for all the questions to be answered. To walk in faith. You don't even wait for all the fear to be dispelled. To walk in faith. Fear is a giant for me. It's a giant for me. I'll just be honest with you. And I can't tell you how, you know, I mean, I live my faith life by faith. Every time I get on a plane to go to Africa, I promise you I've battled some fear. <laughs> but I know the Lord has told me to go. I know he's told me to go. So I do it. I do it. I gain a little bit more victory over it every time I go. But you don't, you cannot wait for all of those things to fall into place to step out into faith. But faith. The accuser says, oh, you can't do this. You don't have this. You're not good enough. Blah, 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 blah. Well, look what might happen to you. Blah, 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 blah. You know, I remember driving around Johannesburg by myself. And I thought, you know what? Nobody in the whole planet knows where I am at this moment. <laughs> I mean, I could disappear off the place of the earth and nobody would know where I was. But I was at such peace because I knew that I was right where I was supposed to be doing what I was supposed to do. So it also, God gives us a measure of faith. You, don't, you only need, you have the amount of faith for what you, what, what you need. But it also says, another place we get faith is Romans 10, 17, from the word. And this is what that scripture says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, that word by is that little word we worked out, we looked at just a minute ago. That little E-K comes from the word, comes from the word. Now, there are several, there are three or four Greek words in the New Testament that are translated the English word, word. Does that make sense? There are, there are more than one Greek words that when you read the New Testament in English, it says word but it has a different Greek word underneath it. This particular one is the, word, the Greek word rhema. 
And it is the spoken. One of the words is just the written word. It's this right here or what God knows. But this one is the one God speaks to you. This is the one that comes alive to you. This is the, the, the revealed word to you. It'd be like somebody coming right up to you and saying, Inez, I'm going to do this. And with that word, faith is released. If she'll but open her heart and receive it. There's faith released with that word. Faith comes when you hear. And not just hear. You know, there is hearing to hear. And there's another word in the Greek that says hear to do. That's that word. You're not just hearing for knowledge. You're just not hearing to know it. You're not just hearing for information. Your heart is positioned in such a place you are ready to do whatever you hear God say. And when your heart is positioned that way, by when your heart is positioned that way, um, then then God can speak to you, and faith is released. So there's another way, faith, because you know in the scriptures we don't find in the scripture where it says God says move here, God says take this job, God says go to this church. We don't see that in scripture. God says move here, God says take this mission trip. That's not in the Bible. So this is what we need is the Rama word of God. The rhema word, where God says, do this, go here, run here. Position ourselves to do. Yeah. We've positioned our hearts not just to hear, but to hear to do. There's another scripture in, um, in John that Jesus said, if any man wants to know the truth... He will. Sometimes we're wanting to know something, but we want to know it so we can decide if we want to believe it or we want to do it. God won't show us. God won't speak to us in those circumstances. He's looking for faith. And, you know, there's something about his good, good heart that God's also protecting us from disobedience. He doesn't want us to obey. So if he, in his foreknowledge, knows we're going to intentionally disobey, he doesn't want to put us in that position. He's amazing. He's amazing. So he does that for our good, for our protection. He loves us. So oftentimes that's what he does. But if you really want to know the will of God, and you're really trying to discern it, I'm telling you, he'll, he'll speak through songs. He'll speak through conversations. He'll speak through billboards. You know? And every time you see it, something inside of you is saying, yes, that bears witness. That's God speaking to you. That's a rhema word. He'll yell it at you if you really want to do his will because he wants you to do his will more than you want to do his will. So he's going to make it abundantly clear to you if your heart is humble and you're hearing to do. Not hearing to decide, not hearing to analyze, but if you're hearing to do because you trust him, then you will hear the word of God and your faith will grow and your faith will increase. Here to do. Now, here's another place. Uh, Hebrews. I want to talk before we look at Hebrews 12, too. I'm going to talk about Hebrews 11. And I don't put all this on the slide because there's too much here. But Hebrews 11 is called the Faith Hall of Fame. It's the story about all the men of faith. And so, and listen to this. These scriptures, I'm going to read these scriptures. And every one of these scriptures, it says about this particular incident, by faith, by faith, by faith. 
In verse 3 of Hebrews 11, it says, by faith, the worlds were framed. In verse 4, by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice. In verse 5, Enoch was taken up by faith. Why, it says, why was he taken up? Because he pleased God. And right after that, it says, he who comes to God must believe that he is. And he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And it's impossible to please him without faith. I don't know about you, but my goal of life is to please him. Isn't it yours? Well, it's impossible to please him without faith. Can I tell you my own personal testimony about my reward, a reward the Lord gave me for diligently seek him? Um, When I was growing up, and and, uh, I honor him and I love him, but when I was growing up, um, my father uh, was a self-made man. And um, and, uh, (laughs) we clashed, let's just say that. (laughs) We clashed, and I grew up in a very Catholic Catholic family, and he's very hard and very, you know, um, and, uh, and, but he did the best. He, he had a very, very rough upbringing. So he, considering how he was raised, he, it was amazing when I found out how he was raised. So anyway, um, but, but I came from a very Catholic family, and, uh, and when I was 18, I got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, that was back in before the Catholics were getting saved, okay? Now, I know this, some of you may have a, can relate, some may not, but back in those days, um, Catholics were not getting saved, and, uh, and, and you were not allowed to read the Bible, because only the Pope could understand the Bible. It's changed now, to a great degree it's changed, but only the Pope was allowed, could understand the Bible, and the Pope interpreted it and told the whole rest of the Catholic Church what Jesus meant by what he said, and you were not allowed to read the Bible. And, um, my family, my uh, relationship with my family was already very rocky. And the day they came in and found a Bible in my, in my room, and <laughs> it just got went from bad to worse. And then I got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to go into all that. But my dad, because he was such a self-made man and where he came from, was very much full of pride. And if there was ever a man that resisted the gospel and resisted um, the salvation message, it was my dad. I would, my whole family, nobody else was saved, and, and, uh, and I would, um, you know, because when you're Catholic, it's okay to drink and get drunk. Just be honest, you know, as long as you go to catechism and, you know, get it all forgiven. And so I would go, I was, I'd moved away and was doing, going to Bible school and doing different things, getting involved in ministry. And I'd come home for these Christmas and family gatherings, and there'd be, I have a, I have a very large family. So there'd be 20 or 30 with friends and family and everybody there, and everybody there was drunk except me everybody there and you know the rocking was shaking the doors and my dad would do things like put something in my in my in my coat to try to get me drunk and I mean he was just do anything he he so resisted everything I stood for for so many years and anyway through the and I just kept walking and was faithful and praying for him and and uh, to make a long story short um um by the time my dad um, and died. Um, he was. He. We found out he had cancer. The Lord told me not to believe for his healing, and uh, and just and and uh, just to release him. And um, but to make a long story short, in that process, he got saved. And I can remember one time, just a couple months. You know, my, this whole time I was praying for my dad and believing. I never gave up by faith. I knew he was going to get saved. And but my because of how I knew my dad, that my faith was no bigger than he would just get in on by the you know the very at the last breath you know by the skin of his teeth you know I just could not believe beyond that you know just before he died he'd get he'd, he'd make his way you know into heaven. That was where my faith was. But he got saved. 
And he had an amazing, amazing transformation. And he became the man that God had created him to be. And I can remember we had a couple conversations, one in particular. I was in Georgia. They were in California. It's where I grew up. And we were on the, I was talking to him on the phone. And we were, me and my dad, and I knew he was dying. He knew he was dying. And, um, and, and, um, and we, I, I, we had this amazing conversation about Jesus about going to heaven and seeing Jesus with my dad. I never dreamed I would be having this beautiful conversation with him about what heaven would be like and seeing Jesus face to face. It was amazing. And I got off the phone and I sat down on my couch and picked up my guitar to worship. And I heard that scripture without, with, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And he said, how is that for a reward? All the money in the world can't replace that. It's not riches. It's not position. It's not title. It's people. It's people. It's people. It's people. People are our rewards. It's people. It's souls. It's souls. It's souls. Diligently seeking. You love your family members? Diligently seeking. I was in Georgia when I got the news my dad had cancer. I was at the front row of my church where I always was, and the Lord spoke to me and said, you stay right here, stay focused on the kingdom, what I put in your hands, and I'll take care of your dad. That sounds cruel, but I knew that was from the Lord. I released him, and I went home to see him. Then we had conversations, but the amazing testimony I was hearing from my brothers and sisters. By then, some of my brothers and sisters were, were, um, were, were saved. And they called me on the phone. They said, you should see how peaceful dad is. Everybody that walks in the room, he had a hospital bed at home, talks about how peaceful he is. There's such a, you walk in his room and you feel peace. The testimony around that was amazing. Of course, I know there's others believe it, but I knew God. That, you know, when, when God says, don't love your family more than you love God. That's real. And I'm telling you, the fruit of it is amazing if you can trust your family to God. I mean, it almost sounds cruel, but it's not. God knows what it takes. The fruit of it, and that's just one test. I have many, many testimonies where my family is concerned. But he is a rewarder. He is a rewarder. He is a rewarder. So I got off on that about Enoch. By faith, in verse 7, Noah built an ark. By faith, Abraham left his home. By faith, Sarah received strength to conceive. By faith, Abraham offered up Isaac. You know, Isaac was his promise. Isaac was his promise, and God said, kill him. Sometimes when you obey God, it looks like your dream's going to die. Sometimes it looks like it's going to contradict the dream God has put in your heart to obey God. That took a great amount, of course, it takes a great amount of faith, even in one year promise to kill your son. But the Bible says because he knew God was able to raise him up. He, didn't, he, didn't, he obeyed God but didn't give up on his dream, even when it looked like it contradicted each other. So by faith, he offered up Isaac. By faith, Isaac offered future blessings to Jacob and Esau before he even saw what was coming. By faith, Jacob blessed Joseph's sons. By faith, Joseph commanded his bones to be buried in Canaan and not in Egypt. He knew one day we're getting out of this place. By faith, Moses' parents hid him. By faith, Moses chose Israel. He chose the slaves. He chose the oppressed over the palace. He chose the shame, the persecution. He chose to run into the wilderness over the palace. 
and over power and over prestige because he had his eyes fixed on the unseen. He saw something nobody else could see. By faith, Moses left Egypt. By faith, commanded blood to be sprinkled on the doorpost. By faith, Israelites went through the Red Sea. By faith, Israelites marched around Jericho. By faith, Rahab welcomed the spies. And it says you can't go on to talk about by faith what Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets that overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised, shut the mouth of lions, quenched the flames of fire, escaped death by their sword, and weakness became strong. All this by faith became strong and battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back from the dead. Some were tortured and killed by faith because they wanted a better resurrection. But then it says this. It comes to the very end of chapter 11. They did not receive everything that they were believing because God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. And then Romans 12, 1, the very next scripture. Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses. Who is that? All these by faith. All these people by faith. Watching us saying, that's your turn. You got the baton. You live by faith. You do by faith. You walk by faith. Let us lay aside every weight that slows us down. And let us run with endurance the race set before us. Keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Who is the author? Faith comes from him and developer of our faith. As we see Jesus, as we focus on Jesus, as we get, he becomes bigger and bigger and bigger in our eyes. You know, whatever you look at grows. Whatever you concentrate on gets magnified. You know when it talks about magnify God? You know how you take a magnifying glass and you put it down on something? What happens to that thing? It gets bigger. You magnify Jesus. You magnify God. You magnify his word. You magnify his promises. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And, he, and our faith gets developed and perfected and finished when we set his word and who he is above all these circumstances of our life. And now it's our turn. We've got the baton of faith. It's our turn. What will we do with it? Okay, the, if we could run that video now, the next slide, and run that video. I have a short video. been making its rounds on Facebook. You may have seen it. This is powerful. You'll still get the gist of it. Maybe I wouldn't have been. And I wanted to do so many things, but I can never seem to find the time. I did all the things that were like...
was afraid. <laughs> afraid, I guess, of failing, maybe. I regret all the time I wasted, not saying yes to things. It's something I've always wanted to do since I was little. Time slipping away, I mean, that's probably the worst feeling in the world, right? loads of friends from different walks of life and it's really hard to keep in touch with everyone. Up until recently, I was homeless. If I hadn't hurt the people that I had, maybe I wouldn't have been. I wanted to do so many things, but I can never seem to find the time. I did all the things that were like plan B. I just never did it. <laughs> Feels, feels like where I want to be. Feels like where I want to go. That it's not my regret anymore. It's hopeful. It means there's possibility. Okay, that's good. Credits after that. Yeah. You know, last week, Pastor had us fill out a form, had y'all fill out a form, talk about what you were going to leave behind. Remember that? Well, now we've got a fresh new beginning ahead of us. We've got a clean slate. We have a church have a clean slate in front of us. You as an individual have a clean slate in front of us. You know, my biggest regrets in life looking back are not the big trips to Africa or moving here or taking, you know, this ministry responsibility. My biggest regrets when I look back are the little ones. I didn't speak to this person. I didn't call this person. I didn't do this that I felt like the Lord was, wanted me to do for this person. I didn't give this word to this person that I felt like the Lord. Those are my biggest regrets as I didn't step out in faith in those little ways. But I've got a clean slate in front of me, and so do you. You know, there's a, there's a, I'm going to close with this. There's a, a, 
story in the Bible, an illustration. It's not a story, it's real. Um, about a time when Israelite, the Israelites were in the city of Samaria and the enemy had surrounded them and there was a huge siege going on and they were starving to death. They were eating their children. They were so hungry. And there were four lepers sitting outside the gate. And leopards, of course, were cast off. You could not mingle with the rest of the, of, the, of the society if you were considered a leper. They had to live outside of the city, outside of the camp. It, you couldn't because it was highly contagious and everybody was afraid of getting it. And it was assumed you got it because you sinned. You, you know, you were a bad person. So they lived outside the gate. So there's four set lepers sitting outside the gate, and they begin to talk to one another. And there's a huge enemy over here with horses and chariots and armor and artillery that are surrounding the city. And the four lepers said, you know what? If we just sit here and do nothing, we're going to die. That's inevitable. If we go into the city, they're dying. We'll die there too. What do we have to lose? <laughs> What do we have to lose? Let's just go to the enemy's camp. Maybe they'll have pity on us. The worst that's going to happen is we're going to die anyway. Let's die doing something. Let's not sit here till we die. And I have such a word the Lord saying, why sit we here till we die? Take a risk. Do Live without regrets. You know, years ago, I shared this with, with Cornell years and years ago. I've tried to, I've done my best to live my life by faith, obeying Jesus and going here and doing this and moving here. And I remember several years ago, I felt like I was stuck. And I'd been stuck for a long time. And I kept asking the Lord this question, how did I get here? I mean, just my circumstances did not fit in with my life plan. You know what I'm saying? It's not what I dreamed for my life. <laughs> I was, how did all this get me here? And I just kept that. What happened? And this question kept coming up inside of me. Did I turn left when you wanted me to turn right? Did I make a wrong decision somewhere down in my life decisions to get me here? And one day, just as clear as could be, I was getting ready for work, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, it wouldn't have mattered which corner you turned or which way you turned. I would have been around every corner because I was doing it in faith. I was trying my best to please the Lord and obey him. He said every corner he would have been there because it was not doing everything right, wasn't saying everything right, wasn't making every right decision. It was living by faith and not being afraid to step out and take some risks over what I felt like the Lord was saying to do. Why sit we here till we die? We, each and every one of us, as long as we have breath in us, we have purpose. We have destiny. We have gifts. We have callings. We have anointings. It's not too late. At an age when most people are planning retirement, I started a brand new life. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I do that too. Huh? <laughs> I, I'm more fulfilled and have more purpose and, and just I don't have a 401k and I don't have all of those things that you know what we do is try to build our life so we don't have to live by faith now none of that's wrong none of that's bad I am for it but you do that by faith and not to keep you from having to live by faith you know especially as America as we want to use our resources to protect us to have that we don't have to live by faith 
And none of that's wrong. It's all good and wonderful. Do it, but do it in faith. Do it in faith. But the main reason the Lord blesses us is that we can be givers. That is the main reason. That's a whole other message. But do what you do in faith. So, Cornell, you want to cl- shut, finish this out and close down in prayer? And anything you have? Yeah, well, let's, let, let me first just get, you know, the only announcement we have out of the way, which is National Day of Prayer is May 4th. And um, I think, well, what's the name of that center? It's the Retirement Center, the something Retirement Center? The, say it again. Leroy Rogers Retirement Center at 7 p.m. Senior Center. Retirement Center. Senior Center. All right. Because we're not retiring. We've got a clean slate, right? All right. So we, we go. Um, all right. So that's our announcement. Amen. Um, I don't know. That word just really, I mean, that really just did some stuff in me, Miss Laurel. Thank you very much. It was just, I don't know. It's just, I guess, kind of like, you know, God has those words for you that are just really in season. I just felt like that was just a really in season word for us. I mean, faith is always an in season message, but it just specifically just really felt like it was something really that I needed to hear. So thank you just for being obedient to what the Lord was just really stirring in you. And it just, you know, you just look back at the whole service and you just see how God was just, you know, just dropping nuggets throughout the whole thing. So it's, it's just really good. It's just, it really comes to the point that it says, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. <laughs> Because I judge you faithful that promise. There's, there's this one thing where, where it talks about, I don't know if it's in Romans 11, but I want to say it is, where it talks about Sarah. And man, this one, I don't know, it really does something in me. Because it says that by faith, Sarah conceived because she judged him faithful who promised. And I, that's for everything that God's given us. That's for everything that he's spoken to us. That that he can promise it, but it requires us to judge him faithful who promised for that thing that he declared to us that it was going to happen to manifest itself. So, Father God, we just, we just declare we trust you. We trust you. <laughs> Faith says that you are who you say you are, and you're going to do what you say that you're going to do, that you're good and you're for us, and we love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll be blessed. (laughs) Clean slate. Clean slate.